So Monsanto is the company that produces Roundup weed killer, and we've talked about that. Um, actually, I don't, it was either last uh, last episode or the one before, but there were a couple of really big fat verdicts that yeah. had come out. One for like 175 million, and one for 332 million. And those were for residential uses. Residential of the use. Yeah, yeah. Well, they got slammed again, and this one, this is a whopper. Um, so it was a Missouri award, um, 1.56 billion. Prioritizing profits, prioritizing, prioritizing dangerous drug and product cases. Welcome back. Another episode, another week, another episode. Uh, prioritizing profits, dangerous drug and product cases. We're back at it again. Um, I'm all over the place right now. I feel like I've gone through so many different time zones, traveled <laughs> across the, the country, across the world. I don't even know what day of the week it is. <laughs> well, you do know it's Wednesday because Wednesday is when we record. It's the only That's the thing. only way you know. Yeah, it's keeping me grounded. <laughs> Otherwise, Thank God um, for the podcast. Yeah, it's like Inception where you got to have your <laughs> grounding totem. Um, if anyone gets that reference, probably I won't. A little bit older. Anyways, um, back at it again. We had a fantastic weekend. It was your birthday weekend. We went to Palm Springs. Did you have fun? How was it? Uh, oh, man. It was it was amazing. It was like my best birthday ever. And I was having all kinds of issues about, you know, having the, the 60th and, and just had this um, thing in my head about, I don't know, for some reason, I just didn't think I was going to ever get to 60. And partially because my mom passed away at 59, mm-hmm. um, which is relatively early. Um, um, not that we have the same lifestyle or health or anything, but it just seemed like a big, um, a big hurdle. <clears throat> so yeah, I made it and, um, it was really fun. And I think you guys just like went all out. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I have to say the t-shirts were like a huge hit. I did post on social media and everybody absolutely loves them. Um, and yeah, the, and, and the fact that the dogs were involved as well. And, you know, for people who, most people who don't know, (laughs) you guys got like these matching t-shirts and it said birthday girl with a really crazy picture of my face on it. Yes. Yes. That was actually originated Christina's idea Uh um, because she knows, you know, we, for, for my NFT conventions, we get my custom jackets made. Uh And so when she was looking through that for Amsterdam, she saw that they did shirts as well. And then they had like some birthday events and birthday shirts. And so uh, she just kind of got all that organized. And then we had the idea for the dogs to get the dogs involved because it's a whole family celebration, obviously. (laughs) I wanted to go all out. Um, and so, yeah, there was this whole idea of saving it until we, it was supposed to be, you wake up and when you come out and then, you know, we're all going to be wearing it, but you guys had gotten up a lot earlier, took the dogs on a walk. So we had to kind of sneakily work around that and yeah. uh, go for the surprise. Well, and actually I was just going to the bathroom and then I'm, I'm told, don't come out until we tell you. <laughs> and so when I came out, they're all wearing these matching t-shirts and the dogs have little bandanas with my face on them. And it was was super cute, super cute. Um, so it was just, it was really fun. And it was um, your guys' first 
trip to Palm Springs. So yes. what did you guys think of Palm Springs? It was fantastic. It was good. It was nice, um, kind of like a relaxation weekend and trip. Palm Springs is nice because it's not super crazy. Uh, yeah. Compared to like L.A. and the oh, yeah. boardwalk and all that, I mean, it, it's, it gets pretty insane over there just with the amount of people and traffic. And Palm Springs, complete opposite. Um, but you still have that nice weather, be able to walk around, uh, you know, eat out on the patio. And it was a good time overall. I'm, I'm glad that we were able to make the 60th birthday a memorable one and a good one. Yeah, um, it's, it's definitely memorable. a but big number, big date, big date. Yeah, and a huge number. But, but now, <laughs> but now it's like I, I I kind of want that treatment for every birthday. Yeah. Um, I mean, and the house was amazing. It was an Airbnb. Um, I mean, in the backyard was just like a resort, and um, got to kind of lounge around by the pool and to the hot tub. And so, and actually, we finally got into the casita after you guys left. There was a whole another outside entrance room mm-hmm. with a little kitchenette and bedroom and bathroom. So anyway, we, we need like a, a bigger group next time, I think. Yeah. Uh, it was, it's a cool party house. Although, of course, you can't have parties at Airbnbs, but well, I mean, family I think, time. Yeah, some of them might be more open than others. Uh, that one looked like a party house for sure. I mean, the backyard was absolutely insane. And uh, But overall, I mean, I think it was a fantastic weekend. It sounds like you enjoyed the birthday. Um, I'm glad that your Facebook fans have been enjoying the pictures. <laughs> it's interesting because you post it so quickly. Like while we're out at lunch, you post about the lunch or well, that was as a soon check as it in. happens. And, well, I, and, so I, and I, I'm actually not that great. I mean, I haven't really figured all the social media stuff out. So I, And I know people can do a check-in when they're not there, but I only know how to do a check-in if you're there and the, the location pops right up. Yeah. So it's either then, now or never. Yeah, yeah, which, well, I think, I mean, it's good to just get post as much as you can, <laughs> obviously. Um, but when you, you know, do it right then in that moment, then you don't, you know, push it off and forget. I will say, though, sometimes your choice of photo is interesting. Uh, not personally what I would choose with how good <laughs> I'm looking in some of those. But, uh, you know, it's okay. It's all right. We're letting all the family and friends and, and fans, I suppose, know what's going on in between mm-hmm. shows. Well, I just think you look good in all pictures. So, um, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm a little biased. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's hop into the cases. All right. As always, we will start with updates on cases. Yeah. So updates. Um, a couple of things happened on my birthday week. Um, bad for Monsanto. Um, and so Monsanto is the company that produces Roundup Weed Killer. And we've talked about that. Um, actually, it was either last uh, last episode or the one before, but there were a couple of really big fat verdicts that yeah. had come out, one for like $175 million and one for $332 million. And those were for residential uses Residential use. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they got slammed again. And this one, this is a whopper. Um, so it was a Missouri award, um, $1.56 billion. Yeah. An individual? Well, so actually it was three individuals. Um, so they combined three people who had all um, uh, suffered from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. They were all residential users of the product again, um, but they were combined three people in one trial. And they um, each of them got $500 million in punitives, and then they looked at the individual damages for their compensatory damages. Uh, one got $38 million, one $17.5 million, and one $5.6 million. 
So a total of all of this comes out to $1.56 billion. So, Jesus. I mean, seriously slammed. And again, you know, the, the huge, uh, huge part of this is the punitive damages. And, you know, as we've talked about, what that says is that juries are pissed off. This isn't like, oh, gosh, we didn't know we were hurting people. Oh, we're so sorry. Oops. No, this is like you, you know, effers knew what you were doing. You, you know, you could have saved these people. You were, I mean, it's almost to the level of intent, you know, Yeah. Um, just really extreme. And so they are, are taking this extremely seriously, um, so, so, so bad news for them. Yeah. Um, and, and we have talked about also that these cases, you know, these cases have been going on for quite a long time. And there were initially 165,000 lawsuits filed about, wow. you know, again, about uh, Roundup, mm-hmm. uh, the weed killer, and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, very specific disease that it's causing. Yeah. Um, and then in 2020, they settled most of them for $10.9 billion. Wow. But there were still some remaining cases, and cases mm-hmm. are continuing to be filed. Yeah, I was going to say, that's kind of, with the most recent case, it makes that $10.5, $10.9 billion, uh, seem like a good deal. Because, I mean, this is just three cases thrown together, and that was yeah. 1.5. Yeah. Well, and that's, the reality is that these global settlements are a good deal for them, because they're not going to be taking into account punitive damages. If they yeah. kind of skirt that whole issue, they can avoid the punitive damage issues if they'll just pay people, you know, fairly, reasonably compensate people for their injuries. And, you know, but again, they, they're they still saying they didn't do anything wrong. They're still denying liability. But, but obviously, juries are not buying that. Yeah, not even close. And this isn't a, a close call. Like you said, juries have to be absolutely fucking pissed (laughs) for these 500 million for an individual yeah i mean that's each individual three individuals each individual i mean it's like in indescribable amount of money to like try to imagine imagine? one person trying to even attempt to spend that um so why why did they choose to throw these three cases specifically together uh, does is this common, and um, you know what? Why would they do that instead of if each case is so good independently? Why throw them all together? Yeah, well, it, it, you know, it, it can help both sides. Um, I mean, it's it makes for you know one trial instead of three trials, yeah. and depending on what the the setup is, like a lot of times in the multi district litigations, the judges will require that there'll be you know multi plaintiff trials, hmm. um, and, and it's just more efficient for one thing that makes because sense. all you know all of the evidence as far as what they knew and when they knew. It, it and the product and the science of it, that's all going to be duplicative. And then it's just going to be the individual individual damages. So, so it's not unusual for a judge to, um, you know, to put them together again, just it's very, it's much more efficient. Um, and then you only have to burden one jury as opposed to three juries. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's plus or minus. I mean, if you lose, you've lost three. If you win, you've won three. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, a lot of judges do favor that. And you'll see that quite often in the, in the multi-district litigation, sometimes mm-hmm. even bigger they'll have like 10 or 15 plaintiffs yeah you know all at once and when it is uh you know a group of plaintiffs being thrown together for for an individual um trial i know with the bellwether i know it was almost kind of like a random name in a hat situation where the judge well you know both sides would kind of give their best cases that they would want want to go to trial and then the judge kind of randomly picks from that pile is that what's happening here or because it seems like this case specifically with three of them i mean all of them were slam dunks and they threw them all together and every single one was just a banger 
Well, and again, we don't know all of the details about how slam dunk they were. I think on the liability thing, obviously, they considered it really slam dunk. Um, but, you know, with when you have three different people, you could have um, somebody who has some other um, medical conditions that could make it more likely for them to um, get one of these diseases. There could be, you know, other, other issues going on, um, other causation issues. So it is certainly possible in one of these that you could find in favor of two of them and against on one of them, that the other one maybe had a family history, um, had other exposures, that yeah. sort of thing. Um, so it wouldn't necessarily be, um, you know, that they would, would all be, mm-hmm. all, all go in the same direction. So what does this mean for uh, Monsanto going forward? I mean, a $1.5 billion on these three individual cases, that's not sustainable. I mean, they got to be shaking in their boots at this point and looking <laughs> for another massive settlement, no? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the crazy thing is that these companies don't really shake in their boots. I mean, they're always like, oh, we're fine. And I mean, you know, multi-billion dollars. Um, So they're still saying that they're not at fault. There's about 50,000 claims still pending and cases are getting filed regularly. And again, this is, you know, we've talked about this before, but this is a, a, you know, a a disease that doesn't happen two days after you use it or even necessarily two years after you use it. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a, a quite a latency period. And so people are continuing to get diagnosed with the condition and their statute of limitations hasn't run if they you know until they get the diagnosis yeah so um, so these cases can just keep going can keep coming we are still taking these cases um, they could do another global settlement or they could try to settle them on a piecemeal basis one at a time um, again that's entirely uh, you know different companies take different tactics in yeah. trying to get these things resolved. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, with 50,000 pending, that's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. So another global settlement certainly would, would potentially make sense. Yeah. And, uh, I think it's really interesting too, that, um, it it doesn't start, I totally just blanked on, on the phrase where, uh, statute of limitations, that's what it was. The statute of limitation doesn't start until you're diagnosed. Um, which means that this can go on for a very long time. And I know that they're denying liability, but obviously with these mm-hmm. past cases and their past settlement, you know, it's looking like there probably is a case there. Um, I mean, this is something that can be dragged on for, for so long. Oh, as long as they're around. I mean, again, you know, it can take many years. And, you know, this product's been on the market for many, many years. So, yeah, they can they can kind of just keep coming. This isn't something that that's, yeah. that's going to go away for them. I know. And on the topic of lymphoma, I mean, that one, that that's a nasty one. I mean, that's something that takes years and years for it to really come up. And, uh, you know, even with these large verdicts, 500 million per individual, I was mm-hmm. thinking when you said that, I was like, you know, but you got lymphoma. You know, how much time do these people have? Are they, some of these situations, I'm assuming they're probably in their last, you know, on their way out. Well, yeah, I mean, and it is a treatable condition. Some is people it? do last, okay. yeah. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like pancreatic cancer or something. Yeah, I don't really it's know like really fast, it, and, fast and ugly like that. But um, uh, so then the 500 million was just the punitive end of things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, that was the big part, really, because the other one's, what, 38 million, so mm-hmm. a, mere, a mere, oh, one only got 5.6 million in actual damages. And again, so this would, with you know, these actual damages would address the severity of the disease, how it affected that person. Yeah. You know, they're, you know, again, again, you, you would count in, I mean, if somebody was working at a high earning career, their loss of earnings would be more significant. Oh, yeah. If somebody was older, retired, it was, you know, so, so all of those factors go in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, how the disease affected them individually, how much pain and suffering, how much treatment, what their prognosis is, all of those things kind of fact, 
would would factor into the specifics. That makes sense. Well, I'm interested to see how these uh, future cases turn up and if Monsanto is going to kind of do anything about this because I I mean I know you said they don't really shake in their boots, but 1.5 <laughs> billion I feel like that's got to hurt a little bit, um, and they got to you know at least be keeping an eye out for more of those cases. I might hit them like that again. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then there was another. This one is, is a case that we haven't really talked about, but again, it's Monsanto, and, and literally my birthday week really sucked for them. I mean, they had that crazy verdict, and then they also, within a couple of days, got slammed with a $165 million verdict. And this was in a case that involved um, some toxic exposure at a school, and it was a product, um, polychlorinated biphenols, and it's a chemical that they produce, and it was used in like an electrical, um, uh, electrical fixtures. Mm -hmm. um, and this one involved three people who worked at a school um, where these chemicals were used. And then over the course of their careers, they were exposed um, to the condition. So let me see. Oh, it actually, it was eight, six teachers, a librarian and a custodian who had worked, um, you know, in the school. And these chemicals can cause um, a lot of different problems, neurological, cognitive impairment, respiratory conditions, um, and some rare cancers. Um, and so this one um, it was, a, you know, again, a big, big old verdict uh -huh. for, for some of their products, um, you know, a more specific case, not, you know, obviously not the weed killer, but I just thought it was interesting that literally like within two days, yeah. these, I mean, they're like, man, this week just sucks. So this is same company, Monsanto, yeah. but a completely different product. That well, is a different chemical because they're a big chemical, chemical company, yeah. obviously. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it was causing, uh, I think you mentioned 16 people or eight. Um, in the Eight school, people, yeah, yeah, yeah who are all exposed to it, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's and they determined that the levels of this chemical were high mm -hmm. during the time that they worked there, and so this repeated exposure, and again, it was a chemical where they knew or should have known that it was dangerous, um, and yet they continued to sell it, um, and and then people were, yeah. So uh, maybe this is a better question for like in the scheme of things, but a company like this where they're manufacturing chemicals, they're releasing them and, and some of these situations, some of these cases, clearly they're doing it very with, with negligence, right? Like they are receiving 500 million in punitive damages. The jury's clearly pissed about it. What their actions, you know, after seeing behind the curtain are just ludicrous how i mean how are they allowed to continue doing business you know are they allowed to just keep releasing products and then having these products cause more problems you know is there is there a point where someone will step in and be like okay you guys have just been shit in the sheets in just about every area <laughs> well that can happen and actually what we're going to talk about um when we talk about the suboxone that kind of did happen there so there are like the department of justice can step in the fda i mean there are i mean there can be criminal charges yeah. Um, that hasn't happened here, um, but but it certainly can under certain circumstances. Yeah, mm. because I mean, the whole chemical industry, I would imagine, is very heavily regulated and you have to be very careful. And a lot of the stuff they're messing with, I mean, that is like on the verge of <laughs> chemical warfare if you misuse yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, and, and the fact that in the same week that they had two settlements with two different chemicals that they're creating and both, you know, has have punitive damages where mm -hmm. the jury is clearly seeing that they are just being negligent. And I think you, you even mentioned like on the verge of intentional with the yeah, 1.5 yeah. billion. 
Monsanto, I mean, they're, they're basically manufacturing chemicals. And as you said, I mean, chemicals, I mean, we know they're dangerous. Yeah. But again, you know, and, and we were willing to use certain chemicals, even if they're dangerous, depending on, you know, what we need them for. But, you know, warn about how to protect yourself, you know, those sorts of things. And especially when it's a chemical, like uh, like a weed killer that you're yeah. using around your home, if you need to use a mask, if you need to use gloves, um, you know, warn about that. Or perhaps that's not something that should be used by, you you know, homeowners, yeah. um, you know, individual people who are gardening, maybe that's something that should be used, you know, when you're in that industry and you have all of the protective gear and the masks yeah. and all of that. Um, you know, but again, this here, here it, it looks like those things should have happened. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, you know, homeowners have all of that kind of protective gear, hazmat stuff <laughs> lying around their garage. Although if you look at my garage, I could have that and <laughs> I probably do somewhere. I got everything else in there. But, uh, but not yeah. everyone is as well prepared as the showers uh, as much of a hoarder as the showers maybe <laughs> when it comes to the garage but but yeah um so so again i mean it's a dangerous it's a dangerous product we all understand that but the danger has to be minimized and any dangers have to be warned about and clearly that didn't happen in this scenario and that's why they yeah. really got slammed so definitely just a bad bad week for for them well it was a good week for me <laughs> good week for, for us and bad week for them yeah um well, we'll keep an eye out for on Monsanto because, I mean, if they're dropping the ball in these two areas, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more that fall through the cracks. And especially with the weed killer, I mean, that was a massive verdict. And like you said, there's cases continuing to be filed. Um, but what else do you have for us for updates? So another interesting update is, uh, you know, we've talked about the Camp Lejeune cases, um, the water contamination yeah. in the, the basin, North Carolina. And we mentioned um, a few uh, episodes back that they had um, a, a, a an easier option for people called the elective program. And what it provided was for certain conditions, ones that were very clearly related to the chemicals that were in the contaminated water water, um, they would allow people to do like kind of this quick process. And uh, they would uh, basically the, 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 the evidentiary requirements are very minor. You just have to have been at the facility for at least 30 days um, and have one of the specific conditions that we'll, we'll mention. Um, and then it's they were saying that this will be a much quicker payout because with all of the cases, I think there's like um, almost 120,000 cases wow. filed that it's really dragging on. Yeah. And again, a lot of these conditions they are, you know, these nasty cancers and, and people are passing away. Um, and, and, and with any case, I mean, people just hate, you know, they file a case and they, they don't get paid for five years or four years. It's a, it's a long time. Yeah. So they were saying this was going to be quite speedy. Um, and of course, everyone's like, oh, well, how fast is it going to be? Um, but they actually have settled the first three. Well, this I was actually going to, we we're going to talk about this last week, but we ran out of time. Um, you know, so it was in the first week of November, they actually did make payments on the first three that had been submitted for a total of eight hundred and fifty thousand wow. um, dollars. Two, let's see, two for three hundred thousand and one for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Big cases. Yeah, well, decent cases. I mean, again, you know, we're talking about some kind of serious conditions, so um, it may not be a huge payout for that, but it's a very, it's a faster payout, yeah. um, a guaranteed payout. You're not taking the risk of going to trial, you know, and having them argue, well, wait, you would have gotten this condition from something else, and you were stationed over here at a different time, and yeah. you were exposed to this. You know, a lot of these conditions, I mean, there, you know, there can be various causative factors. Yeah. So um, they and they apparently have twenty other offers out. Um, so it looks like, you know, again, they said it was going to be fast. 
And they just announced this option in September, and they're already they're already paying you know, payments out in two two months later. Yeah. So and and it will make it you know obviously faster and easier if you don't have to go through the really in depth analysis of each case. Yeah, I mean, I think speeding up the process for um, clients is always better, right? I mean, and and with over a hundred thousand cases, I mean, you, hundred twenty thousand, yeah, yeah. hundred twenty thousand. You're exactly right. Like that's going to take an absurd amount of time, and a lot of these conditions you can really get nitpicky with and say, well, I don't know, it could come from this, it could come yeah. from this. You know, it's still in the air. So setting these kind of base ground rules here, where if they've been at the base for thirty days and they have this specific condition, then you can kind of just push it through and make yeah. sure you know some of these people that have terrible conditions that, you know, maybe they're on their way out. Maybe they still have a yeah. few more years. They'll actually be able to receive yeah, money. Yeah, not, not just their families, but they yeah. can actually, you know, and to help with, with you know, whatever they, they need. Um, and so if, obviously not all com- all of your all of the claims would be eligible for this. It's only certain conditions. Yeah. Um, and they have, there's two tiers. And um, we'll just kind of briefly go through the, the actual conditions. If you have these, you could go through this. Um, elective option. Um, so there's kidney cancer, liver cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, we were talking about, mm-hmm. um, leukemia, and bladder cancer. So those are all the tier one cases that slightly valued higher. Yeah, those um, are some terrible diseases. And right. Conditions. But again, you know, bladder cancer is actually relatively common. Um, and uh, in non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, I mean, you know, so this, this, this would be a perfect example. In this situation, if you have non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and you are at the base, you can get paid, period. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you use Roundup. Yeah. Wow. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. You know, so... They won't have to argue that, you know, it's just kind of one and done. Because those are the kinds of things that that one would argue. And, um, you know, again, all of these conditions could come from, you know, were you a smoker? Were, you know, the the cancers. Um, Tier two is multiple myeloma, Parkinson's disease, um, kidney disease. And again, kidney disease, people can get that for so many reasons. Um, And then systemic sclerosis um, and systemic scleroderma. So those are tier two cases. And to determine the amount of the award, it depends there, it depends on how long you were exposed. So Mm -hmm. they have different categories. If you were there, you know, 30 days to one year, one year to five years, and then more than five years, Mm -hmm. obviously that repeated exposure is going to make it more and more likely that that's what caused the condition. Um, so basically it's one of those conditions. Um, and then you, you factor in how long you were there to determine the payout. Um, and the payouts can be up to $550,000 plus if it's a death case, an additional $100,000. Wow. So. Well, it seems like they're considering the two most important variables, which is how long you were actually at the base and then what condition you possibly got from, from being there and the likelihood with, right. With how long that you're, you were stationed there. Um, you you mentioned that you know it is moving fast. They announced this entire initiative in September. Even the option in September. Yeah. yeah, and they're already they've deposited cash out, cash out on yeah, three on different three of cases, them and twenty out just waiting offers. And and while that is fast, it, with a hundred thousand cases, over a hundred thousand cases, I mean, is that that seems like a very small portion? Well, it is, but it, again, there's there was a big issue with people deciding whether or not they wanted to go for that. It's an elective option. You don't have to. You can choose it, and there. There are some pluses and minuses. And, you know, I always, there was a situation like that with the Boy Scouts too. You could do a quick 
supposedly quick payment, but how quick is it really going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, and do you, you know, would you rather hold out longer and get more money? So um, people, I think, were very hesitant seeing that the pay, you know, that this yeah. is going to be fast. I think that will probably encourage some more people we'll to go that spike. route. And then when once people start going that route, that sort of clears out so that the other ones will move more quickly too. The ones yeah. that really do involve, you know, some intense scrutiny and some mm-hmm. real analysis and some of these conditions that are less clearly linked to the specific chemicals, mm-hmm. um, you know, dealing with the causative factors. So, um, you know, if you do have a camp Lejeune claim um, already, that is an option to consider. If you have not made a claim, but you were stationed there, um, but, but, you know, some people are like, ah, oh, it'll never happen, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's happening. And it's I mean, happening. if you didn't want to deal with all of the hassle of it, here's a way that you can, can, uh, you know, can avoid as, you know, some of, some of the, yeah. the, the time consuming issues, um, you know, again, pluses and minuses, it's going to speed it up. Um, you know, if, if it's a difficult to prove case, like we were talking about, suppose you used a lot of weed killer and you have non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Okay. You don't have to worry about that. Um, you know, just simplified eligibility. I mean, the downsides are that you don't have the chance for some crazy high, uh, you know, verdict, um, because it's going to be capped at at the amounts. Um, the other downside is that if you had more than one of the conditions, you can't get double payments, Double dips. they'll pick the, the most severe of the conditions and you get one payment for that condition. Um, you know, and then, and it's capped. I mean, that's, those are kind of the downsides. Yeah, definitely trade-offs there, but I mean, it's an option, which I think is the best mm-hmm. part because, uh, it opens up and like you said, it speeds up the process for the cases that don't want to go down that, that mm-hmm. path. Yeah. That's completely fine. But since, you know, you're able to kind of split them up a little bit and be more efficient with one side than the other side has less blockage, right? Less cases. Yeah. yeah it's clears. Yeah. It, it speeds everything along. Um, and again, the, the, you know, these cases, there is a deadline on these cases and it's August of 2024. And while that might sound like it's a long time, like what, nine months from now? I mean, that time goes by really fast. It's important that you get all of your medical records in. Um, so, so, you know, don't wait till the last minute. Don't, you know, (laughs) if if you were there, it it, it is, you know, this is a, a pretty efficient process. Um, you know, and it's, you know, you really, you should do it. You should jump in and do it. If you ask me. Yeah. I mean, it seems pretty clear cut if you were uh, stationed there and you have any of those conditions, because even if you don't want to go through, you know, everything that it takes, typically you can go through this quick process. Why isn't this more common for them to set up kind of this streamlined process on the side? Because it seems to make sense for both sides, people that don't want to wait those several years, um, as well as, you know, there's being a cap. So yeah. the the, the uh, businesses or the products, whatever it may be, know that they don't aren't going to get, you know, these 1.5 billion uh, settlements. Well, that does kind of happen in the, so, so this is a different whole administrative remedy situation. It's a little bit different than just like a big MDL, but that, but what you're talking about actually does kind of happen in the MDL global settlement, because Mm -hmm. if they agree to a settlement and they're going to put, you know, however many million or billion dollars into this pot, then that process kind of weeds people out. I mean, then you kind of go into different tiers depending on how severe, you know, the injury was. Um, and, and so it is still kind of like, 
like like that. Yeah. Once you get, but that's like you know, once you get to the settlement mm-hmm. point. This is just saying you know you could go into it's almost you know it's like go into the settlement versus pursue your trial. Yeah. Right. So I think I think it it, it is it equates to some extent. Yeah, similar in some aspects. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that makes sense, and I, I like the idea of the tears. I mean, I think that must be an incredibly difficult process of figuring out those tears and and attaching you know dollar value to some of these conditions and then you know factoring in the amount of time someone it was was stationed there i mean i can't imagine what that looks like behind closed doors but it is much easier for the clients uh, yeah well i mean and these are i mean pretty some of them can be very complicated like yeah. how many different considerations that you have and then you you know you 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 minus five percent if you're a smoker and you plus you know five percent yeah. you know it, it, some of these you know the whole calculations and the settlements are crazy and, and and i used to like create these whole worksheets each time you know for each of my clients yeah. um so this one where you're basically just looking at what's the condition and how long have you stationed there that's pretty fast and yeah, it's, pretty, it's pretty straightforward mm-hmm. so so yeah i mean you know again it's not for everybody, but I think it's um, going to make a lot of sense for for you know a good amount of people, and and they can now be confident that it is moving pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So if anyone was stationed at Camp Lejeune, definitely recommend just reaching out. Uh, you may have a condition that you didn't know was connected there. Yeah, well, there's like 40 different diseases. I mean, again, this is just a very small group yeah. group of them that are really clearly linked. But there's a, over 40, and, and certainly you can look those. Go to our website if you. Um, want to see the full list mm-hmm. um, or reach out to us. Well, I want to make sure we go through all the updates. We definitely had a little bit of a longer show last time of <laughs> yeah. folks on updates. Uh, I see we have hair relaxer here, which it's been a while since we've heard about it. It has been. And of course, and again, it's, it's funny, I mean, we talk about a lot of these things over and over again. You know, the first like, kind of the first move that the defendants make is motion to dismiss. And they say, oh, all these claims are crap. And there's no way, even if you prove everything you say you can, you don't have a case, blah, 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 blah. Um, so they had a, filed a motion to dismiss. Um, I think that was filed back in the summer, I think in July. And it finally got heard and decided. And um, the case is moving forward. Um, again, they had a, a bunch of claims. I think four of them, four did get dismissed, but all of the rest are moving forward. So the litigation is actively moving forward now. Again, now that the, now that they're not just going to get rid of it at the, yeah. at the front end, um, all of the real, real heavy-duty discovery starts where they start exchanging documents and we get you know those smoking gun documents and see what was going on, as you say, behind closed doors and all the yeah. shenanigans. Um, and so there's right now about more than 8,000 cases have been filed. Um, and again, you know, each of these stages, people, you know, people who are kind of watching and waiting, um, you know, at this stage, when they know the whole thing's not going to go away, you're going to see a lot more cases getting filed. So again, I think mm-hmm. there's going to be an uptick um, after after uh, this this hearing. It's interesting how every case kind of plays out similarly, uh, where, you know, the defense ha- files a motion to d- dismiss, and maybe they get some cases, and maybe they don't get other some cases. Some claims. Some yeah, claims. Cases, yeah. um, and then, you know, Know, the 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 real kind of discovery starts like you said going looking through for the smoking gun um seeing what the oz behind the curtain <laughs> um 
and as well as the sidelined individuals, right? The lawyers that have these cases or the clients that are sitting there kind of waiting and seeing what happens, seeing if this is something that's going to be worth pursuing. And then as it gets farther into the process, those people, you know, come out of the woodworks and they start yeah. filing those cases and they start um, really compiling all that evidence together. And and it, reminder too, the hair relaxers, this is one that uh, has already been taking off, taken off a lot of the market. Um, off the shelves. So people I'm sure are looking up, you know, what's going on? Where's my hair relaxer? I've been using it for years and then seeing these, these case updates pop up. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, just kind of as a refresher on this, and if people have not, um, you know, heard the whole story about the hair relaxers, um, the hair relaxers are greatly increasing the risk of um, ovarian, can uterine cancer, ovarian cancer, breast cancer, endometriosis, uterine fibroids, um, and other reproductive injuries. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the study came out showing this. Um, and then subsequently, um, the lawsuits started getting filed. And as we said, um, <clears throat> the judge has said that, yes, these claims, you know, again, we still have to, you know, submit the proof, but the claims are viable mm -hmm. and moving forward. Um, and it's just, you know, it's a really, it, it's a tough case, um, you know, and very, I mean, it's obviously affecting um, a minority group. Um, and it's just kind of atrocious how the whole thing came to be to start. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, I guess, originally, um, uh, gosh, I think it was, they were straightening during slavery. They started straightening, um, African-American, um, hair, uh, using hot combs and a press to straighten hair. And then the chemical relaxers were created in the early 1900s. Um, and this, you know, just kept going on. And I think that, you know, culturally, um, in marketing, they try to, to, you know, to tell women, you know, you can't, you, 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 this is the beauty standard and it's kind of the white standard, the straight hair. Um, and, you know, it became something where people felt like they could not be successful in a business setting without straightening their hair. Um, and so, you know, millions and millions of people now use these products on a regular basis and it's killing them. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely insane to me how a hair product can cause uh, reproductive damage, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, this these are cancers um, affecting the complete opposite side of your body. Um, and the fact that this is in hair products, that this wasn't known or, or warned of, that it's already taken off the markets, and even worse, it's it's almost targeted at specific demographic groups. Yeah, definitely targeted, yeah, yeah. And, and it, it's, so what it is is it's it's called they're called phthalates, and they're endocrine disrupting chemicals. And so, and again, it can get absorbed in through your scalp. And certainly, if you have any kind of, you know, again, these are very caustic chemicals, and it yeah. can cause you know uh, burns um, and and um, it can get into your bloodstream. And so, uh, and again, it's something that you use, you know, you use it consistently. As your mm -hmm. hair grows out, you will reapply. Mm -hmm. um, and so people are using it every, you know, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks on a regular basis and sometimes just for years. Yeah. Well, it's good that the motion to dismiss was dismissed. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it was denied. It was yeah, denied. It was denied. Uh, clearly, the judge thought that there was enough evidence here that these claims do have weight to them. Um, but we're, we're, we will be learning a lot more about this yeah, as discovery definitely. gets going. 
Um, I mean, it sounds like this has been ongoing for a long time, and it was fueled a lot by this kind of beauty message that has been communicated for tens of years at this point. Um, so it, 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 I'm glad that finally this has come out and that this isn't continuing, but I, this is one of the most, one of the more interesting cases I think that we've discussed because yeah. a specific demographic group is being targeted. This is something that is in CVS, Walgreens. It's not a prescription, right? You don't got to go to the doctor. Exactly. You're just going in right after work. You're like, oh, you know what? I forgot my, my hair products. And you just pick it up off, yeah. off the, um, off the, the shelf. shelf. Yeah. Well, I mean, it could, and a lot of people did buy them at drugstores, but it also can be applied in beauty parlors. Yeah. So, and sometimes people did both. Yeah. yeah. And then it's just, in fact, it's causing damage to the reproductive system uh, from, you know, going yeah. on the head. I, I don't know. It's insane. We'll be uh, learning yeah, more about it well. as, as uh, the information comes out. Um, cases that we are handling. Yeah, so this is a pretty juicy one, um, and it we, we touched on it a little bit last week. So this is the Suboxone, and it's a narcotic analgesic that is used to reduce opioid cravings. So a lot of people who are trying to get weaned off of opioids um, use this product. And the case at issue is a sublingual film, um, which the way that it says sublingual underneath your tongue, but actually it's, it's not necessarily that you put it underneath your tongue. Um, we, we had a, a webinar last week. Um, and so we've got a lot more information on this and, you know, it's interesting. It's like this, it, it kind of looks like the, um, Z, whatever those Zins. Zin things. Yeah. yeah. But it sticks, it can stick like to the side of your mouth. To the- I imagine it, it's like the, those, um, not breath mints, but they used to have those like pieces of paper that was like a breath mint that you'd put on your tongue, uh-huh. but they tasted like shit and then it made your tongue feel weird. It kind of, except those actually just dissolve. This is a, this is a little packet that has the medication in oh. it. You actually eventually take it out. So it's like a pouch, like a nicotine pouch. Yeah. yeah so exactly. it's kind of a lot, it looked a lot like that and you can stick it on then that kind of like the side of your mouth and you can actually leave it in there for up to three days. Jesus um, Christ. I mean, in your mouth for three days straight. Well, yeah. And so, and, and again, once it starts, you know, wearing off or whatever, you're going to put another one. You're pretty much going to have these in consistently yeah. um, because you're going to need that kind kind of constant, you know, infusion. You know, if you are trying to wean off of opioids and you're having those cravings, I mean, this is what helps you. Yeah. Um, what helps to reduce that. Um, and the injuries are, you know, horrible dental injuries, and it's really clear cut. Like if you put it on the right side of your mouth, you're seeing injuries on the right Jesus, side of your mouth. It's yeah. pretty. The connection is pretty, pretty, pretty dead on here. Um, it's kind of you know tooth loss fractures, uh, tongue injuries, gum injuries. Um, people are needing a lot of oral, oral surgeries, losing teeth, having to get implants. Um, and, and the reason is it's, it's, so it's super acidic. And so it alters the pH in your mouth, which then is going to, um, they're saying it increases dental problems by about 40%. Wow. Um, and, you know, always with these, medi- these, these, these drugs, they're saying, well, okay, this, this may be as bad, but are there safe or safer alternatives? That's a big issue when there are definitely safer alternatives. Um, this thing used to be uh, given in a pill form. Um, and there are other uh, alternatives as well, uh, methadone, naltrexone, and Vivitrol. So there are some other ones that you can use that do not um, cause these dental problems. Yeah. Now, the uh, manufacturer of this product is called Indivier, which I never heard of, but it's a pretty 
big old corporation with over you know, close to a billion dollars in earnings. Wow. Um, yeah. And so, you know, this is a really new case that's out there. Um, and a lot of people were kind of hemming and hawing about it. And, well, you know, it's dental injuries. And how big are these cases? And how serious is this? And, yeah. you know, but the person, you know, if they if they really need to be treated for opioid withdrawal, you know, there's a lot of pluses. Um, you know, and dental injuries aren't the hugest dollar cases. But that being said, I mean, if you've ever had to have a dental surgery or a mm-hmm. significant treatment, you know, it's, it racks up. And a lot of that's not covered by insurance. Yeah. Well, and I would imagine that I know it's different state to state, but with pain and suffering, right, the aesthetic, just the aesthetic, like, effect and damage that it would have, right? I mean, let's say you have a perfect smile, you start using these, and and, and they're intended to be go into mm-hmm. your mouth, yeah. and, and for long periods of time, and then all of a sudden, oh, the side of the, your mouth that you started putting this in destroys your perfect teeth, your perfect smile. Um, I mean, that, that has to count for something. Well, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot. And, and I mean, who doesn't hate going to the dentist? I mean, I don't know. It's like, oh, I, I hate I, it. I, I can't stand it. Everybody. I mean, it's like the biggest thing. I mean, dentists are like, I don't know, second most hated to lawyers or something. Or maybe it's maybe we're slightly less. Uh, they bad. might have actually taken the lead, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it's bad stuff. And I mean, I just dread the dentist. I mean, I, I personally like the laughing gas even for a tooth cleaning because I get traumatized about the whole thing. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, so, so, I mean, so it's pretty big. And, you know, generally the damage and there are probably like 75,000 to 100,000, you know, I mean, so, so decent, but not huge. And so then the question, well, are, are a bunch of attorneys going to jump onto this? And the reason that this is a really juicy case is that it goes exactly to our title, prioritizing profits. This company is like the devil. I mean, they have done some shit. Um, and so there's a lot of things that are probably going to come out um, mm-hmm. that are going to, this is probably going to be a punitive case. I mean, I, actually, I'm sure it's going to be a punitive case. Wow. Um, and so so the first thing that they've, that they've done that is kind of devilish, and they've gotten caught on, kind of goes back to what we were talking about with um, the tenofovir, the HIV medications. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit different. But so what happened with this was that they were they were selling Suboxone pill form and making a lot of money on it. And they initially manufactured this in 2002. So the patent was going to expire and or actually got onto the market. Patent was going to expire in 2009. Well, when the patent expires, now all of a sudden the generics can jump in and sell it and compete and sell it for less. So you know you're going to lose money, and they're making lots of money on this. So they decided, okay, well let's switch and, and do this into a film form and say that it's so much better, mm-hmm. and that so that you shouldn't even use the pill. And now we can have a new patent for the film and have everybody use the film yeah. and we get to still be the leader in the industry we have the exclusivity generics yeah. lose out so basically they manipulated the patent process mm-hmm. so you don't seem too surprised well, anyway. I'm, I'm a little i'm a little confused as well so the, the, i don't know if i would say they manipulated the patent process it sounded like compared to the aids situation which the aids drug was insane they had that drug ready and they just chose not to put out a better product because they had a patent for for a not as good product. This one, it almost seems like they recognized that their patent was running out, and they were just scrambling to find something, and so they came up with this film, which you know I can see the uh, attraction of it is if it's in your mouth, you know, up to two to three days, you're getting that constant feedback, that constant medication release compared to a pill, which you know you just throw in once. Um, I can kind of see that there. I don't, uh, it doesn't seem as nefarious, I guess. 
Well, um, the DOJ actually did think it was pretty nefarious. Yeah. Well, they said, you know, hey, they're trying to admit this because now they're saying that's not good. This is good. So don't you should Doesn't by. every medical company do that, though, when they, um, you know, release a new drug for, you know, a similar disease? That, and especially after patents run out, don't all of them say, hey, that old one's old. Come get this new shiny one. Well... Yes and no. I mean, they, but they really should have something new and shiny. They're just. This is just a slightly. This is just a different delivery system. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's really not something new. They're just trying to keep people. You know. And again, the, you know, the patents. I mean, it makes sense because people do put a lot of money into creating these drugs and doing all of the testing and blah de blah de blah. And so they should get um, get the benefit of that. And so they make a lot of money. And you know, I mean, really, the the cost of drugs when they're exclusive, it's crazy expensive. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. I mean, and, and that affects a lot. I mean, you know, more than individual. I mean, it's affecting the insurance companies and, you know, it's just, it's, it's, um, all of us basically. Mm -hmm. So, so, um, there, that's why this whole system is in place. You get it, but you get it for a set amount of time and then you got to come up with a new drug and you can't manipulate that. You can't cheat the system. And so what the DOJ said was that they, they were trying to, to manipulate the system. There was actually a lawsuit. Um, it was like there was a whistleblower and then there were the manufacturers and some states all got involved in this wow. lawsuit and they ended up settling that last month for $385 million dollars. Um, there was actually a trial scheduled at, to be at the end of October, and just before that, they settled the case, um, and they said that they were illegally suppressing generic competition by by doing wow by, okay by so doing this. yeah I mean that that's a criminal charge no I mean with the DOJ Department of Justice well so that involved. part wasn't well that lawsuit was not um, criminal but at the same time in 2020 they agreed to, to pay. Um, I, I'm sorry, that wasn't the DOJ. The, new, the DOJ was 2020, they agreed to pay $600 million. Um, and in that case, um, they were fraudulently marketing the drug, saying that it was safer and less prone to abuse than similar drugs. And one of the things that they argued was that you know, if you had children under six in the house, you should make sure you have the this film, not pills, because it's less likely that kids are going to get the film, which turned out to be a complete lie. There was nothing to, to, to yeah, support that. Yeah, this seems that. like a bit stretched there. So basically they said they were false statements relating to healthcare matters and the company pled guilty to a felony charge. And then the CEO actually pled guilty to a misdemeanor charge mm -hmm. over these, you know, false, false statements. Yeah. Well, so it sounds like this, this company already has a ton on their plate and, and it's already connected to this same drug that's causing all of this dental damage. Yeah. And so is that what's really getting kind of the whole lawyer community excited about this is that they've yeah. already kind of gotten, they've already shit the sheets. Now they're yeah. rolling around in it. <laughs> well, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Because there's like, it, it, you know, there's a saying, you know, documents drive the damages. And, you know, when you start getting these crazy documents, um, we know they're out there. We know that they're in trouble because yeah. they've gotten prosecuted criminally, um, and they've been sued, and they've settled the case. Um, we know that they've done some really nefarious things to try to make money, you know, off, and, again, off of the opioid crisis, which is such a horrendous thing, too. I mean, and people take that really personally and piss, get pissed off. I mean, we're trying yeah. to be helping people. This is a, you know, huge, you know, national healthcare crisis. And now you're, you know, messing with people and hurting more people, mm -hmm. you know, to make money. Um, it, it does not go over well in this arena. Um, so, so there's going to be some juicy stuff out there. 
Um, and I think that's, again, potentially why people are getting kind of excited about this. Here's another thing, you know, they knew, again, the allegations are that they knew that this was you know, going to cause people problems, and they didn't disclose it. Um, some studies came out um, in, in 21 and, and beginning of 22, and then the FDA required that they warn about the dental injuries in, um, I think it was June of 2022. Yeah, June of 2022, they were required to start warning. Mm-hmm. So, um, so these cases are out there. It's, there's not a multi-district litigation yet, but I'm confident that there will be. Yeah. Um, because again, I mean, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty clear these injuries are happening. A lot of people were using this medication, um, thought it was safe, um, and now are having, you know, some pretty horrendous injuries. I mean, uh, you know, hopefully not, not life-threatening for mm-hmm. that. Thing. Although, you know, with all of these dental situations, if they're not treated, you can get some pretty bad infections. And is there, um, like, what is kind of the council's perspective or opinion when it comes to cases like this, where you kind of have a good idea of what the victim uh, demographic is going to look like here, right? Because the opioid crisis is massive and it affects everyone. However, you know, there's definitely, uh, I don't know if it's like like characteristics or, you know, you know that people, these are people that were, you know, abusing drugs at one point or, um, you know, kind of fell into the trap of getting injured and then getting overprescribed it. Um, you know, does that play a role when you're deciding whether or not you're going to take a case or whether this is going to be something where you really get the whole, you know, kind of lawyer community to come together and start pushing the cases? Yeah. So that's an excellent question. And it was something that was addressed, um, during this meeting also. Um, and, and so the criteria, and again, with any kind of case, there's going to be the stronger cases and the weaker cases. Um, and you know, with the opioid crisis, I mean, there's a a real, there's quite a cross section of, you know, of, of, of people who were affected by the opioid crisis. I mean, there are people who, you know, maybe had a surgery and they were, you know, yeah. prescribed and they became addicted. Um, there's also people who are, you know, living on the street and buying drugs illegally. So there's a real, ex- there are real extremes here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to to be able to pursue these cases, um, you, you have to, first of all, you've got to have a person who had prior dental records. You know, we need to know what basically their mouth looked like before they started using this. Yeah. So again, it needs to be somebody who did get dental care. I mean, there are a lot of people who, who don't, um, no. you know, and, and again, if you're homeless or, you know, the, the odds of that are probably, probably less. Um, so you need to have the dental injuries. You need to be able to establish, you know, the prior, your condition of your mouth before you started using this. Um, and then also, you know, certain things like, for example, if, if somebody was also a meth user, yeah. I mean, you know, kind of the stereotype of meth mouth, um, you know, again, that's going to make for a very difficult case, probably a lot of attorneys are probably not going to take those cases um, because how do you prove, you know, was it caught, was, was the condition caused by this or was it caused, you know, by some, uh, you know, uh, by, yeah. by math? I don't, you know, there's, um, you know, or really poor dental care. So, so, so not every case, not every case is going to be a strong case. Yeah. Know? And I think this is one that's going to be especially difficult for kind of the independent lawyer because it seems like it's going to be a case by case situation because there are those extremes. There are people that are living on the streets, you know, struggling with drug addiction, using other substances, uh, and don't have dental records. And then on the other side, there's people that, uh, like you said, went through surgery, may, maybe got injured, um, and kind of just fell into that, that, that cycle. Um, and then everything in between there. So is that something that I guess, you know, the council was 
looking at as a benefit as a benefit to this case or something that would be make it more difficult to pursue well in any case there's always going to be each case is going to be assessed individually on how strong it is yeah um, but but cases you know if you don't have prior dental records or if you do have you know some other you know really confounding factors like Matthews um, it's going to be a very weak case. And yeah. the reality is there's going to be, uh, most attorneys are not going to take weak cases. Mm-hmm. Um, some attorneys maybe will take weak cases. Again, you know, we kind of run into that situation with some attorneys who are going to take any case, anybody yeah. who walks in because they want to say, I have X number of cases. And that's somehow, you know, maybe that they're going to, they're trying to get into the leadership or something along yeah. those lines. Well, and, and, and with that in mind, I mean, I'm sure that affects kind of the leadership's direction and, and decision with pursuing a case like this is because they know, you know, compared to round up, round up, round it, round, round up, round up. <laughs> yeah. Compared to, you know, the pesticide round up, those are concerns you don't have at all, really, with the victims of that case. You know, are they living on the street? Do they have dental records? Are they going to the doctor? You know, maybe here and there, but yeah. uh, you know, that's not going to be a concern that you have. So is leadership, you know, are they, is that, are they hesitant kind of approaching a case like this with that in mind or... I think there's a, there's, a, there's a hesitancy in the sense that, you know, it, there's always this the admonition of don't take shitty cases, mm-hmm. you know, just just don't do it. Yeah. Um, because what, what happens, you know, again, when, you, when you're doing these bellwether cases, the defense is going to want to put, you know, the crappy cases, uh, you know, for trial. And of course, you know, they're going to be lost. Yeah. Um, and so that's going to hurt the whole litigation. And so that, that happens in all of these. They're saying, you know, take strong cases. Don't just sign everybody up and file mm-hmm. everything. Look at your cases, make sure they're decent cases. Um, I mean, that's what good attorneys do, um, you know, but there are some crazies out there in any in yeah. any business. <laughs> well, I, I think this is an interesting one, and uh, it's one that makes sense that, um, you know, leadership in kind of the lawyer community is getting a little bit fired up about because there is this history of wrongdoing, mm-hmm. and especially directly connected to this drug itself, that they, you know, mismarketed it, saying it's better to keep around the house yeah. and less less addicting, um, while causing these, I mean, horrendous problems for something that's intended to be in your mouth. Well, and the reality is, I mean, you can get this, the same exact effects by taking it by pill form. Yeah. Um, it's only in this form because they wanted to make money and they wanted to make a lot of money. You know, and again, it's like victimizing people who have already been victimized by the whole opioid crisis um, and, and just victimizing them again. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not, you know, like they don't have enough trouble and enough worries and enough problems is, you know, and so now you're going to add this onto it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and it can be really devastating. I mean, you know, dental stuff, uh, you know. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I mean, the, I think the aesthetic effect that it would have on, you know, your smile and, you know, I know for me, I love going, not, I don't love going out in public, but I mean, <laughs> you know, taking pictures and stuff, I don't have to be worried about smiling or anything like that. But if you yeah. get some serious damage, that that's a big effect on your life and your yeah. kind of day to day. Well, and I mean, even aside, I mean, there, you know, we say aesthetic, but I mean, aesthetic kind of, I mean, for example, if you want to get a job, I mean, there are, if you're yeah. in a job position that deals with the public, you know, we can say, oh, it's aesthetic. Um, but, but I mean, it's also required for certain jobs. I mean, yeah. I can tell you that people aren't going to hire you for, you know, even a receptionist position if you have, if you're missing a bunch of teeth. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's true. And, you know, and then you get to the point where, I mean, it, it can affect your, your health, your ability to eat. Um, you know, there, there are a lot, you know, there's a lot of different 
angles to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the aesthetic, of course, is the first thing that pops into my mind personally. Like, oh my God, I wouldn't be able to smile. Yeah. Um, but there are so you know so many aspects to it. Yeah, I think this will be an interesting one to follow uh, because they've already been in deep water before. Yeah, there's some stuff going on. I mean, this company is just... Yeah, pretty grimy, a little slimy. Uh, Discovery is <laughs> going to be an, an interesting one. I feel like we're definitely going to find um, a few smoking guns. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. just a whole dumpster fire. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, this is one where you're, I think I think you're going to see some punitives. Um, and, and it's, it's going to be very interesting, you know, and a lot of well-deserving people who, um, you know, might have a hard time finding an attorney for, you know, a dental case because, again, the damages aren't humongous. Um, but in this situation where we know this is a real bad actor, mm-hmm. um, they're going to be able to get compensated. So, And this is a case that we are currently handling and, and taking in. So if there is anyone listening that uses Suboxone and has had any of these dental issues, dental problems, or, you know, maybe not even not yet have them, it's always good to reach out because it's something you want to be aware of and you want to kind of keep an eye on. And mm-hmm. we'll be able to get those those medical records to make sure everything's looking yeah, well, and also, I mean, if, you know, if you're hearing about this and you're using it and you haven't had problems, again, speak with your doctor because yeah. maybe you need want to switch over to something else that's not going to the cause, form. cause right. these. Right, yeah, there are alternatives that are safer and that we're, you know, and again, we're not doctors, we're certainly not telling, but we're just telling you to talk to your doctor yeah. and ask about options, you know, that might not have these, these risks yeah. and that's not supporting this darn company. Well, we are coming to a close here uh, on, on the hour. Was there something you wanted to touch on or anything you wanted to go over? Uh, not necessarily. Um, we have, uh, oh, I don't know. I mean, we had a, a question about why it takes so long for cases to get to trial. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we can just quickly yeah. kind of address that. Um, because, I mean, there are a lot of reasons, but I think that people are under an, uh, kind of, uh, they're kind of disillusioned, um, and part of that I think is just TV. And you know, you see, you see a, suits, baby. Well, from one <laughs> scene to the next, they're cutting, you know, nine months of trial work and trial prep yeah. and everything out of there. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. It's like at the beginning of the hour, you've got the problem, and at the end of the hour, you've got the jury <laughs> verdict. And so, I think people, um, you know, I, I mean, I think most people know that that's not real realistic. But uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons why it takes a long time. And you know, we've 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 hit on them on some other cases about. You know, once you file the lawsuit, the first thing that's going to happen is there's going to be a motion to dismiss, and all yeah. a lot of times from the defense, um, you're going to have to. And, and again, you you know, there's a lot of cases backed up. The court has to schedule these hearings, make these decisions. Sometimes it takes months to get a decision, and then this discovery process takes a long time, fighting over who you know what documents get turned over, um, depositions, um, and then get just getting on a trial calendar. And yeah. things got so backed up with COVID, where you know nobody could do anything in person. Um, but I mean, civil trials have always been, um, I mean, they're always kind of pushed to last. I mean, the criminal is going to get, uh, you know, first dibs and you're yeah. going to get, you know, domestic and those sorts of things. Um, so the tr- civil trials are kind of like the, the last last to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the reality is, depending on where you live, I mean, it may take, you know, nine months to get to trial. It may take two years. It may take three years. Um, the defense always wants it to take longer because if they're, going to have to pay money. They want to hang on to their money as long as they can and drag things out. Um, So, uh, you know, and then you've got judges' schedules and the attorney's schedules. And, you know, it's just like so frustrating. And you'll have these attorneys like, oh, it's my kid's birthday. I need to. And like, 
Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> this is a little more important than little Timmy's birthday. Okay. Well, little Timmy's birthday is very important, but have it on Saturday and be in trial on you know Monday through Friday. I yeah. mean, for God's sakes. No, that's fair. I mean, I I think people don't necessarily understand, and I know I didn't, and still struggle with understanding the magnitude, the size of some of these cases and all the moving parts and how much organization everything takes in order to, you know, not even just get it to trial, but to get it through uh, the initial phases with a motion to dismiss, with the discovery, you know, all the while, every step that you take, the defense is trying to slow it down as much as as possible uh, to, you know, keep the money in their coffers, keep it, keep the stock up, keep things looking good for, for investors. Um, I mean, there's just a ton of moving parts across the board. Yeah. Well, and this question was more specific about, you know, an individual case as opposed to a multi-district litigation. But but again, I mean, you know, everything is bigger in the MDL and takes longer. But even on the smaller cases, even on the individual cases, I mean, it still takes, you know, months to years. Um, And again, it depends a lot on where you live and, you know, what the court system is like there, how backed up it is. There are, you know, here in Arizona, I mean, we have like an alternative... um, alternative resolution where people, you know, certain sizes of cases have to go through an arbitration um, rather than a trial. And then if you don't like your arbitration result, then you can go to trial. So there's, you know, ways that different jurisdictions try to weed out some cases or get some cases pushed into um, settlement or resolution prior to trial. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's just been, you know, as long as I've been practicing, it's, it's just always been an issue. And there's been, you know, various things suggested to try to speed the system up and you know, yeah. nothing, nothing's ideal, but it, it does take a long time, um, unfortunately. And, um, you know, obviously settlement um, can be can be a good thing in that it's, yeah. you know, it, it, it's guaranteed. Um, you know, you know what you're getting and you're done and finished with it and off the calendar. Well, and I think that kind of connects back to the Camp Lejeune settlements mm-hmm. and why that's so beneficial is because some of those cases can take you know, a long time, a very long time when going to trial. Um, but the, you know, setup that they have is speeding up the process for anyone that is interested in it. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's still the option to go to trial if they, if they want to if they think it's better for the client or the client would rather do that but um, yeah. there's those those guide rails set up yeah so I mean and, and we'll get calls you know oh, I think you know my attorney's dragging his or her feet and I don't understand why and I'm like well how long has it been well it's been like three months I'm like oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know and, and, and unfortunately things just don't get settled that fast yeah, yeah so. well that is a good question because I think that's something that's it's hard to really fully understand and grasp like I said I still struggle with it um, unless you're working in it like you have for the last uh, many years Um, and then also the TV shows just don't make it any better because they (laughs) are I mean it's insane when you're watching Suits and um, they just skip to every trial instantly and within minutes and it's like oh, we got to, you know, move up the trial date. And it's just everything happens. Like you said, it, the problem is is introduced at the beginning of the hour and it's solved and the jury's, you know, making a decision at the end of the hour when realistically that entire process can take months and years. years. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, it gives people unreasonable expectations and yeah. and then they think their lawyers suck and, <laughs> and their lawyer might suck, but not because of that. <laughs> not because of that. 
Um, well, I think that is a fantastic ending point there. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Prioritizing profits, dangerous drug, and product cases. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free feel free to throw it down in the comment section, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, wherever you're seeing it. We'd love to hear some feedback. Um, and if it's something you don't necessarily want to post, you don't want to put it out there, always feel free to uh, email us podcast at showeredlaw.com um and in stories questions whatever it is we're always here to listen happy to discuss it uh but with that being said i hope everyone has a fantastic week and thanksgiving a fantastic thanksgiving yes which is actually tomorrow for us but when this is released i guess we hope that you had a fantastic thanksgiving very true very true all righty have a good one everyone Prioritizing profits, prioritizing, 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 prioritizing dangerous drug and product cases.